Hey, this is a bold statement, but it's one I'm now ready to make. The 2023 North Carolina Tar Heels are a veteran, experienced, and talented football team capable of winning every game that they play. Will they? That's a great question. But can they? 100%. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, October 9th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. I want to thank you for joining us to get your Tar Heels every day. Today's episode is going to be a great one. Uh, going to overview the game from Saturday against Syracuse. The drubbing, quite frankly, we'll have our three stars of the game. We'll have our three plays of the game, the shady stat of the game, a weekend wrap, and all of that. But first, I want to get straight into talking about what is going on with the Tar Heels. They are now ranked 12th in the nation in both polls, AP poll and coaches poll moving up. Obviously, their opponent this coming Saturday is Miami, who moved way down in the polls after a debacle on Saturday evening for them, unfortunately. But let's get right into this. I said it off the top, and here's the truth. I am ready to make this statement now. I have seen enough from the Tar Heels with the addition of Tez Walker and what the defense has continued to do, sustained now. North Carolina can, that's a big important word I'm using there, can win every game on their schedule. And the reason I say they can win is because I'm not saying that they will win every game they play this year. I'm not saying even that they'll be favored in every game this year. They will probably be an underdog at Clemson. Maybe uh, at NC State, it remains to be seen how the Wolfpack do going forward. So I'm not saying either of those things. I am saying this. If the 2023 Tar Heels play up to their usual level of performance on a week-in, week-out basis, which so far they've done, that's the thing, they continue to stack wins and continue to get better. So if they can do that, put forth their usual level of performance, they can win every game on their schedule. And so while I'm not saying that they will win or that they'll be favored in every game, I am saying that it doesn't take some sort of Herculean miracle effort to win any game. You know how some seasons you'll look at a game on the schedule and it's like, yeah, you know, I think I think the Tar Heels could maybe win seven of those, but those other three, it's going to take that team not playing their best and it's going to take Carolina playing out of their minds. There ain't a game like that on this schedule because I think that's both in terms of how good Carolina is and that there's not anybody in the ACC that I see that is overwhelmingly high, more capable than the Tar Heels are. That's where we're at this year. I fully and firmly believe that. I, I might have tried to say th- some of those things in the past, but I would have been needing to convince myself. I am in on this team. Tough games? Yes. This game, I, I know Miami just just laid an egg Saturday night at the end against Georgia Tech. But this is a very tough team coming up on Saturday um, and, and obviously going to be a very angry team coming up on Saturday. That game at Clemson and then hosting Duke and at NC State, those are three really, really difficult games to close out the regular season. Not to mention I, the week after Carolina, um, 
You got Miami and then hosting Virginia, which you should win. And then you got to go to Georgia Tech, which on paper seems like it should be a game you should win. But you again, that's the team that just beat Miami. And Carolina has struggled against Georgia Tech. So there, there are possible L's all over the place. But I really, really believe that what the Tar Heels are doing is enough to continue stacking wins and to get them into the ACC championship game. Now, we're going to have to wait and see what if Louisville seems to be more for real than I previously thought they were knocking off Notre Dame on Saturday. Florida State continues <clears throat> to do what I expect them to do. And so right now, you got to call these three teams the front runners, especially if Carolina can knock off Miami on Saturday night, have a two-game lead and the tiebreaker over the Hurricanes. Shut up at that point, right? And, and Duke, obviously, especially if Riley Leonard is healthy. I shouldn't have left them out of that conversation. But here's a part, a big part from Saturday's game against Syracuse that makes me fully believe in this team with where things are sitting right now. And obviously, a lot of this is dependent upon no major injuries, you know, just those kind of things. But the sign to me on Saturday, I think Syracuse is a good football team. I, I don't think they're great or excellent or anything like that, but I think they're a good and solid football team. Um, and, and Carolina just trounced them. And I don't think every team in the ACC is going to do that. I think their record because of who they played makes it seem like maybe they're a little bit better than some people think they are, but they are good. We'll say that, but a great sign of Carolina's maturity and where I think they're at as a team is this. I, I tweeted on Saturday. I'll just read verbatim what I said. It's safe to say that UNC did not overlook Syracuse ahead of the Miami game next week, right? Like that was one of the concerns coming in. Can the Tar Heels stay focused on winning this game, even though Miami is looming next Saturday? So I tweeted that 17-0 um, right now with 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. And then I said, here's the key now. Have the Tar Heels learned how to put away a game? We'll find out. And that's the thing. You know, last year, so many times Carolina would get out to a lead and then have to cling to it with everything they had as the defense couldn't hold off the opponent or as the offense um, wound down and couldn't continue to get insurance runs, if we can use a baseball term. But this year, they're doing both of those. They continue to tack on. The defense continues to stop the other team. There's just that one score right out of halftime on Saturday for Syracuse. Um, and so find out we did. Can Carolina put away a team? 100%. They absolutely are learning that. At least they showed that against Syracuse. I want to see them continue to show that and to prove it. But I've seen it and I believe in it. So from the time I tweeted that when it was 17-0, Carolina led the rest of the way 23-7. So if that was a game unto itself, Carolina wins out in 23-7. They put Syracuse away. They stepped on them and held them down, and Carolina won. And so really, really, really encouraged by what I saw. Coming up next, we are going to have our three stars of the game and our shady stat of the game. All that coming up in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Now it's time for the Game Changer of the Week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Tez Walker, being in and available for the Tar Heels is an unbelievable moment on Saturday. Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, full flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. 
Tez Walker's performance on Saturday was incredible. That just the fact that he's out there is so great. We're going to talk about it more in a minute, but he is definitely our game changer of the week. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy them online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions, and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing, fit for all times. Okay, folks, coming up this weekend on Friday from 11 a.m. to noon Eastern is Locked On College Football Kickoff Live, getting you ready for yet another weekend of action. It's going to be an incredible show as they get us ready for Carolina and Miami. In fact, the Locked On Miami host, Alex Dono, is one of the co-hosts of that show. So uh, going to be really interested to hear what he has to say ahead of Carolina trying to get to 6-0 and being bowl eligible just six games into the season. All right, let's get right into our three stars of the game. The first of which is the man we just talked about, Tez Walker. Listen, here's the deal. Regardless of what he did in this game, Tez Walker had to be one of our three stars of the game because he was in it, he was dressed, and he's playing. Thank goodness he's finally available. But even regardless of the fact of, you know, just the fact that he's out there, he did work. And I love it. I, I talked about it in our immediate reactions, but I love that neither Drake May nor the coaching staff nor Tez himself tried to force anything. They let the game come as it naturally made sense to do so. Tez didn't start. I, I kind of thought that was a kindness to him, right? Like to let some of the adrenaline wear off a little bit and then let him get in uh, a couple snaps into the game there. And But even still, he got in, he did work, six catches for 43 yards, had the second most uh, catches and targets in the game. I think it was on eight total targets from Drake May, second to just Nate McCollum, who had a monster day, Nate McCollum did. But, you know, like, who cares about his performance on the field? Just to see him running out of that tunnel, holding the North Carolina state flag, his home state flag, running out for the state university, Come on, man. That That is just one of those scenes that is what not only all sports is about, but specifically uh, college athletics, where we're thinking about these young men and women who we get to cheer for and enjoy as they are college athletes. What just special moments for Tesla, like every one of these, him carrying out the flag him getting on the field him getting his first catch. So, so great. There was one play, I think. If Drake, Drake was rushed a little bit on his throw, if not, I think it would have been a touchdown to Tez Walker. But believe you me, we're going to see that soon enough. Our second star of the game is that man throwing the football, Drake May. And I, I try not to put him in this every week, but man, on a week like this, we have to have Drake May's name on this list. 33 for 47 through the air for 442 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. This is his third career 400-plus yard gain, second this season. The second most completions he's ever had. He had 34 in the game previously. The second most passing yards he ever has had. Fell just six yards shy. Had 442. His career high is 448. Would love to see him get past that. 11 different receivers caught a ball from Drake May on Saturday. 20-plus completions for Drake in every single game. That's in every single game this season, I should say, not in his career. That's five now this season. Prior to this year, 
no Tar Heel had started a season with more than two uh, games to start the season in a row with 20 plus completion. I mean, it's just insane what Drake May is doing. Oh, and by the way, 14 rushes for 55 yards on the ground, including a rushing touchdown. Just, I just, you don't know what to say, what else to say about this young man at some point. The things he does, his ability to impact the game is just next level, and it's incredible to see. And I know you love it as well. Our third star of the game, and this is this is a unit that was so maligned by people just like me last year. Gene Shizik's defense, um, who you know, like water through a sieve. <laughs> um, but man, here they are, and they're doing it. This was what I talked about on um, my key matchup on Friday show with Michael Coe was. The, the Carolina defense specifically against Garrett Schrader, Syracuse's quarterback, because he has the ability to get out and beat you with his feet. He's a big quarterback, kind of like Drake, and can do a lot of things on the ground. And in fact, I think he's better there than he is through the air, especially having now seen it. I, I really feel that way um, all the more so. But man, Carolina did everything they needed to do. Held Schrader in check, held the offense as a whole in check. You know, honestly, if they hadn't been, I mean, receiver made a great play in, on uh, on a third and I think it was 14 on their first uh, series out of halftime. If not for that play, this might have been a shutout because eventually that drive resulted in a in a touchdown. But I, I don't I don't know that they would have scored. And that's the only seven points. And I should say somebody um, called me on, on our immediate reaction show as I was looking back at that. I put it on Teon Holloway and somebody said, honestly, I I feel like he was in pretty good position. The ball was a bit underthrown. The receiver came back and, and I'll agree with that for that specific play that that's not on Holloway. I thought he was in pretty good guarding position. It's just, there've been other plays this season where, I mean, he's a red shirt freshman, right? He's still growing and learning. And, and especially when you compare him to a guy like Elijah Huzzy it's just going to, there's going to be room for growth, but the defense as a whole, man, they're just doing great. This was the third game this season where Carolina as a team has allowed fewer than 20 points. This is the fourth game this season where the defense has allowed fewer than 20 points. The reason I say that is because Pitt scored 24, but seven of those were that kickoff return. So Carolina's defense against Pitt allowed fewer than 20. So that's four games in the first five games of the season in which the Tar Heel defense has held the opponent under 20. Now, there are going to be some better offenses that the Tar Heels will face. I think Miami's going to be one of those on Saturday. So that'll be a real true test, and we'll wait to see what happens against Tyler Van Dyke there. But in terms of the, the stat, the counting numbers for the defense, nothing eye-popping. One sack, three tackles for loss. There were two interceptions, um, but no pass breakups and one forced fumble. But here's the thing. They did absolutely everything they needed to do to keep Syracuse at bay. Syracuse just wasn't able to do much of anything. It was, what was it, 200 total uh, yards? Um, and so it just didn't do much. Let me get back to it. Yeah, Carolina had 644 total yards of offense, just 221 for Syracuse. I mean, it's just great stuff there from the Tar Heel defense and Coach Chiswick's squad figuring out what they need to do. Um, in fact, this was the first time holding an opponent under 10 points since October 2nd of 2021 when Carolina held Duke also to just seven points. All right, folks, 
it's time for the shady stat of the game. And in fact, I've got two of them for you today. If I may, well, I just gave hook'em horns. Uh, as I said, too, I was thinking two outs, you know, uh, but that's hook'em horns. They lost. I, they should not have lost to Oklahoma. My poor wife is very sad because she's a Texas fan. Uh, my first shady stat of the game, North Carolina has now scored 30 or more points in each of the first five games of this season. And so during, it was funny because during the game on Saturday, I thought, man, I, w- I wonder how often that has happened for the Tar Heels. And so I just, when I, when I'm doing something like that, I like to research just going back year by year. So I started last year and was like, Oh, Tar Heels. I thought maybe they hadn't done it because they lost a game in those first five. But I looked back and I was like, oh, the Tar Heels scored 30 or more points in each of the first five games last year as well. Well, I guess it must be a pretty common occurrence to score, uh, you know, 30 or more for the Tar Heels in each of the first five games. And so I just stopped looking after that. I was like, eh, whatever. And then on Sunday, I was like, yeah, let me do some more research. Let me look into it further. And folks, I'm so glad I did. Here's why. Because it turns out that the Tar Heels have only started a season scoring 30 or more points in the first five games of the season three times ever. This year, last year, oddly enough, but before that, the only other time this had happened, 1914. (laughs) It's just absolutely wild. So, And how funny that I was just like, oh, yeah, that's got to be a common occurrence. I just won't look anymore past 2022. Should have kept going, but uh, now we know. Now. No, I'm not taking them off because another shady stat of the game coming right at you. You might recall uh, either through Twitter or through our immediate reaction pod that I detailed a couple of the crazy halftime stats. For example, one of them was at halftime. Carolina had 23 first downs. Syracuse had run 22 total offensive plays. So more first downs for Carolina than Syracuse had run offensive plays. Similar kind of thing. Drake May had completed 23 passes to Syracuse's 22 offensive plays run. Ridiculous. Here's another uh, halftime stat just to put all of it in some context for you. Syracuse only had 70 total yards at the half. That was the fewest yards allowed at halftime for Carolina since September 29th of 2012 in a game against Idaho, who only had 69 yards of offense in the first half insane stuff Carolina getting I mean that's been more than a decade since Carolina has held an opponent much less a conference opponent uh, to that few yards in the first half of a game wild wild stuff and that's your shady stat of the game now we got to talk about our three plays and I also want to give you our weekend roundup on what else has been going on in Carolina athletics this weekend we'll get to all of that in just a second But first, I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. All of these are what bring home the winning trophy that also keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed or power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one vehicle, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. 
Okay, it is time for our three plays of the game where we look at three plays that I thought were really impactful for this game, either because it was a turning point in the game or it highlighted something that one of the players or a group of players was able to do. And so I want to start with one that is probably the least expected of all of these plays. I think there's a couple plays from this game that were actually jumbled all together that you're probably expecting me to say, so I'm not starting there. What I actually want to give you is a nondescript play from the beginning of the third quarter that you may not, like it might have just gone by and you didn't even realize it happened, but some uh, there was something about this play that really stood out to me that I think is critical to look at for who Carolina is and what some of the personnel is capable of. So this was the third play of the second quarter. Carolina's on offense. It's a second and 10 for the Tar Heels on their own 38. Again, this is essentially a nondescript 11-yard pass play from Drake May to Kamari Morales. But I want to highlight it to point out three specific things that happened all in tandem to allow this completion to take place. Drake May is in his cadence getting ready to snap the ball, and uh, Syracuse brings pressure from the outside linebackers on both sides of the line. Uh, it's not perfectly timed. They have to hold at the line before they're able to come. But uh, here's why I want to highlight it. After the snap, Carolina has done a great job of recognizing the, the blitz and figuring out their coverage and making sure it's sound. So Syracuse is bringing six. Carolina's got the five linemen plus British Brooks off the Drake Mays left. The line pickup, the, the offensive line picks up the four Syracuse linemen plus the guy coming off the North Carolina left and British Brooks, so he's the first person that was critical and key in this, slides in front of Drake to the right side of the pocket, picks up, I think it was number eight, coming off Carolina's right side uh, to get that chip block to give Drake enough time. Now, Kamari Morales was just in the slot uh, outside there, or was he lined up tight to the line? I can't remember now, forgive me. He was either right on the line or in the slot just off of it, and had a man on him but soft coverage, um, but right where that linebacker had been. Here comes Kamari Morales. Either it was the perfect route on, on the play call, or he sees what happens and adjusts his route and has um, this slant coming right across and fills that vacated spot where that linebacker had come off Carolina's right side. Now, Drake May obviously recognizes all of this as well. Thankfully, Brooks is able to slide across, pick up, the, the block that he needs to get on the right side gives Drake enough time to recognize that Morales is finding that hole that's been vacated. Boom, hits him 11 yards, and Carolina is off and running still. Now, again, a pretty nondescript play uh, early in the second quarter for the Tar Heels, but without that, that perfect protection scheme that Carolina had, without Brooks doing his job to slide over and get that block, without Morales filling in quickly and giving uh, Drake what he needed into that empty space and Drake recognizing it coming from both sides sees Morales boom so it's great awareness great recognition all around the Tar Heels well accounted for and communicated about those two extra rushers and so they work together to not only pick up the blitz um, but recognize it and allow Drake May to throw a strike to Kamari for 11. That's the first play. Second play I want to point out this is probably the one of all of them that you thought was coming in this segment. It is the Kobe Pesor insane touchdown catch. This is the third quarter, a minute 53 left. Tar Heels are already up 30 to seven. So this is totally just insurance. 
uh, on top to pad the lead. It's third and four at the UNC 23. There have been a couple penalties right before this. Um, but Pesor comes off the right side, similar to what we talked about earlier from Kamari Morales on a slant. Drake hits him. He's pretty wide open, but Drake uncharacteristically throws it behind um, behind Kobe. And so he has to kind of reach back with his left hand and kind of tips it up into the air uh, with just his left hand as he's running. As that happens, there's just enough hang time where one of the D-backs comes in. I think it was a D-back. It might have been a linebacker. Forgive me. Um, comes in and is almost able to snag it. But instead, Kobe's able to get it and turns and he is gone. Uh, a Syracuse defender lunges for him just right about the five, but can't get him. And Kobe rolls into the end zone. Um, and so a couple things with this play. Number one, the concentration and awareness from Kobe to be able to tip this and then haul it, snag it away from the defender and be gone. Uh, just insanely athletic play to make that happen. But it was because of the tip and the timing, it was almost like, you know how sometimes on a punt return or a kickoff return, if the, uh, if the ball is kind of muffed and they pick it up, like it's like the lane discipline is falling apart and the timing is off a little bit and it makes it easier for, um, the, the returner to find a lane and go same kind of thing happened here. I think because of that timing being off and a little weird, it just cleared the way for Kobe. I think the defense probably relaxed a little bit, maybe even thought they were about to get a pick. Nope. Off gone Carolina touchdown 37, seven in this game is now essentially almost over, but Oh wait, there's more because our third play is actually two plays that happened back to back and just three plays after this one. So there was this whole moment towards the end of the third quarter where there's wacky stuff going on. So three scrimmage plays later, uh, af after the Kobe Pesor touchdown, Elijah Huzzy, I do not know how A, he got to this ball around the defender, and two, was able to cradle it and roll to keep it from touching the ground. But Elijah Huzzy had one of the best interceptions I've seen in a long while. And this is his third interception this season. I think his third in the last, what, two games? Yeah, right? Um, so the receiver's diving for the ball. It's a low throw. Huzzy kind of dives around him and in front of him, is able to get his hands under it to stop the ball from um, hitting the turf. And as I said, barrel rolls to make sure that that he maintains possession all the way through. And so it, it in real time, I was like, there's no way he got that. But it was clear from the very first replay that Elijah Huzzy has this interception. The very next play is probably the biggest uh, sign from Saturday's game, game of what Tez Walker can do. So Carolina's first play after the Huzzy pick, uh, Drake throws high to the sideline. Tez Walker is able to go up, snag it, and somehow, I have no idea how, with all his momentum carrying him out, get a toe down. Remember, in college, you just got to have one foot and gets this complete, like another one that in real time, I was like, there's no way that Tez was able to, like he caught it clearly, but there's no way he got a foot down. But he absolutely, I mean, it was one of those, it was called a catch on the field, but video review would have had enough evidence to overturn it. It was that clean and that good from Tez. So big things are ahead and can't wait to see. I mean, just a great display of some of what he's going to be able to do for the Tar Heels. Also, a quick honorable mention play of the day to the referees, um, who I, I still think that Ben Kiernan was short of the first down on, on that punt that got blocked, that he returned. 
And thankfully, uh, it wasn't overturned. Carolina goes to score. It's 10 to nothing, and they're off and running. If he doesn't get that first down, you know, it's it's Syracuse ball at about the Carolina 40. Tar Heels up 3 nothing. You don't know what's going to happen from there. But thankfully, it played out well for the Tar Heels. All right, very quickly, let me give you the weekend wrap-up of everything going on uh, around the rest of Carolina athletics. Unfortunately, not as much success as the football team had. Men's soccer lost also they played Syracuse on Friday lost one to nothing field hockey beat Boston College uh, to stay undefeated in ACC play on Friday three to one but surprisingly very I was just shocked by this lost to Liberty on Sunday afternoon in double overtime two to one volleyball dropped both their matches this weekend uh, three sets to one to number six Louisville on Friday and then three sets to two against Notre Dame on Sunday and then we had both of the women's doubles pairs in the quarterfinals of the um, the ITA uh, over the weekend, but both of them lost in a third set super tiebreaker. Unfortunate there. Now, one other thing I want to point out is in real time, there is a hopeful win going on. The women's soccer team is playing at Duke right now. Women right at the top of the nation, Duke number 22, and Carolina has just taken uh, a 1-0 lead coming out uh, a few minutes after halftime here and so hopefully they can hold on to this victory and stay right at the top of the nation go ahead coach torrance's team folks that's it for today's episode of locked on tar heels it's great to be back together after the weekend got another great week of shows coming up for you as we get ready for live action on friday night as we get ready for miami on saturday all sorts of great stuff ahead I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade or the show at Locked on Heels. You can email the show for more in-depth conversation. Maybe you got some questions, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Come join us on our Discord community where Locked on Tar Heels is together. We're having all sorts of Carolina conversations outside of this space, and I would love for you to come be a part of that. The link is in the show notes, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening. Speaking of which, subscribe to the show anywhere you're checking things out. Um, smash the like button if you're watching and comment on the show. would love to hear your thoughts on this Syracuse game. And if you're in agreement with me that this Carolina team is capable of winning every game on their schedule. It's always a great day to be at Tar Heel. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about more. But until then, peace. <laughs>